Well, good morning. We are in week number one of a four-part series. Welcome to our folks who are on Facebook Live or who will watch this later in the week. We're glad that you're here. Your connection card information, uh, Donnie's going to have that in the comment section so you can get to that. We are excited about starting this series. It's called Plan E. Now, this has been challenging for me. I have been challenged through this. And I want to pass this on to you as accurately as possible. So if this is plan E, then what are the other plans? What, what's up with those? So let's go through those other plans. If this is plan E, then what is plan A? Plan A says this basically, it's all my way. It's my way. No one knows me better than me, so no one can get what I want better than I can. They can... You know, I, I, no one can plan that better than I can. So plan A is really my way, all my way. I started a book this week. And I'll let you know I didn't finish it. I put it down, and here's why. As I began this book, I thought it was going to be great. It was going to help me, you know, move forward, grow, stretch in some areas. Well, as I began this book, here's what it was actually teaching. Well, I was so wrong about this book. I wasted my money on it. Here it is. It's all about manipulating other people to get what you want. You know what that is? That's plan A. That is all plan A. This book was all about trying to gain power over people um, so that you can get your way. It was all about seeing this life as my life, my way, my plan. And so this book was all about plan A. I, I just put it down. I didn't even go any further. I was pretty disgusted with it. Plan A is this. It's doing life my way, my plan. I know what I want. I can go after it. Now, I don't know anyone on their deathbed who has said this. My plan was a good plan. You know, my, my plan satisfied me. I, it did what I needed it to do. And here's why I personally don't know anyone who's ever said that. And it's this, because the truth is this. God himself wants to meet our deepest needs in our life. But very early on in our lives, we get wired to try to meet our own needs. We get wired to try to meet all of those needs in our life without God. That's how we're wired. And that's plan A. And the thing is, it never really works out. It ends up actually destroying the very life that I'm trying to save. That's plan A. So if plan A doesn't work, some people discovered this. Well, if plan A is not enough, then maybe plan B. And here's what plan B is. It's like, well, their way looks pretty good. I mean, I like what they're doing. I like what they have. So maybe their way is better. That's plan B. Maybe that person you're looking at has something you want, has something you like. So maybe you say this, I need to now try their plan. I like what they've got. I like how the, it's ended up for them. That's what I want. So I'll try their plan. If, if I do what they do, then maybe I can have what they have. And then here's the reality. What we see is what we think that they have, right? But you, what they really end up with in this plan B, they end up with emptiness and they end up with dissatisfaction. That's what they really have. And yes, if I do what they do, then ultimately I can have what they have. And you know what they have? It's what I can't see. I think what I see is what they have, but it, 
what they really have is emptiness and dissatisfaction. And yes, plan B will lead me to that point every single time. So plan B doesn't really work. So if plan A didn't work, I tried my way and it was kind of empty. That didn't work. I tried their way and that was kind of empty. That led me there and that didn't work. So maybe that's all life has to offer. And that is what really that attitude leads us to plan C. And plan C says this, I I don't see any way out. I mean, I I just guess I'm going to have to get used to being discouraged. I guess I'm just going to have to be okay with being depressed. I guess I'm just going to have to accept the fact that people are going to hurt me. That's plan C. Now that doesn't sound good at all. I mean, that doesn't sound like a great place to be. And so plan C usually leads us very quickly to plan D. You know what that is? Plan D is, well, I'll just drown the pain. I'll just numb the pain. If I'm going to be stuck here with plan C, I guess I might as well just maybe do something so I can forget all of this that I'm having to go through. And most often we lean toward our habits to help us get through our pain. Our habits that that maybe will make me feel better in this moment. And so we develop habits. Maybe if you're like me, it could be habits with food. That's me. Maybe food can make you forget pain for a moment. Or forget how tired you are or how weary you are or how stressed out you are. Or maybe it could be a habit with money. Maybe it could be a habit with just things that money can buy. Or maybe it can be a habit of people. It could also be a habit of alcohol or pills or substance. Any habit, something to make us feel better right now at this moment, that is plan D. I'll just drown the pain. Now, all of these plans, plan A, my way, plan B, their way, plan C, there's no way, plan D, I'll just drown the pain. All of these plans, in the moment, they seem right. They seem to work at least a little bit, but the reality is they actually take life away from us. They don't give us life. And God is very clear about this. I mean, he puts it in some other words that are super clear. So let's go to the words of God and how he describes plan A through plan D. It's in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25. Here's what he says. There is a path, and we could use the word plan. There's a path or a plan before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. There's a path, there's a plan that seems right, but it ends in death. Yesterday, I mowed my lawn, and it's quite a sight. Lawn looks pretty, it's just the person who mows it is really, really ugly, and pretty fat and sweaty. And so, and I push mow, so it makes it even worse, even sweatier, even nastier. I turn a light green shirt, real dark green, very fast. It was so hot, I get so thirsty. And when I am hot and thirsty, I want one thing. I want water, cold water, and I want a lot of it. A lot of it. My body is actually driven towards water when I get hot and thirsty and sweaty. That's really the only thing that can hydrate me, really, properly. 
and I'm driven towards that. Something about my body says, go get water. Now, that's very similar to how God has wired us with all these needs. Our deepest needs in our life have actually been given to us by God himself. And those very needs drive us toward God. Because somehow, even in our DNA, it's just kind of built in there. We know somehow only God can meet those deepest needs. But so often, we stop short on that journey. And we go with another plan. A more immediate plan. Maybe an easier plan. A plan we can control. We go with a different strategy to meet our needs. Now, we all use a strategy to meet the needs in our lives, and sometimes it's very difficult. I'm going to ask you the question, and I hope sometime this week you will answer this. What strategy have you been using in your life to meet the needs that you have in your life? And you're going to have, if you're anything like me at all, you're going to have trouble identifying what that strategy is, because we have, we have used that strategy so long that we have trouble even knowing that it's actually a strategy that we're using to meet our needs. We've been using it so long we can't identify it. But I'm going to ask you a question to fill in a blank here in just a moment. And I'm going to encourage you to write it down somehow, maybe remember it, put it on the back of your worship guide. Because I would like you to answer this question this week. And it will help you identify what have you been doing, what strategy have you been using to meet your needs. This will help you identify it. It will at least get you closer. Here's the statement, and you will have to fill in the blank. Here it is. If only blank, then I will have the life I've always imagined. You have to fill in that blank. If only blank, then I will have the life that I've always imagined. And that will get you closer to identifying the strategy that you've been using. For some people, they would say this, if only I can find Mrs. Wright, then I will have the life that I have imagined, that I've always wanted. If I can only find, maybe you're saying, if I could only find Mr. Wright, that person, you're saying, if I could find that person to share my life with, then I will have the life I have always imagined. That person to share my life with, that person to, to plan my future with, that person to live life with, then I will have the life I've always imagined. The problem is, there is no person that God has created that can meet the deepest needs in your life. Because only God can do that. But some of us say, well, if I could only have more money, then I will have the life I've always imagined. You're thinking the only thing standing between you and the life that you want is more money. And that more money represents either the ability to do more things, to have some freedom so that you can do the things you've always imagined. Or it represents the ability for you to buy the things to have the life that you've always imagined. But if you're saying, if I could only have more money, then I will have the life that I've always imagined. The reality is, there's not enough money to give you the life you've always imagined. You think that there is, but there's not. There's not. 
because only God can meet that deepest need in our lives. We might say, if I only could be more self-sufficient, I am tired of depending upon other people. They always let me down. If I could be more independent and more strong, more in control of my life, so other people can't control me, they can't manipulate me, I'm in control, I'm self-sufficient, I'm independent, I don't need them, I am strong enough. Then I'll have the life I've always imagined. But it's not true. It won't lead us to the life we've always imagined. Some people say, if I could just have that next rush of adrenaline, I, I mean, I'm living for that next rush. I, I mean, I feel more alive when I don't know if I'm going to live or die. If this next thing I do is going to end well, I have a rush. If it doesn't end well, oh, oh well. Living for that next moment of excitement. You see, we all somehow, some way, keep pursuing strategies. We keep pursuing plans, really, because of a faulty belief. Here are the two beliefs that we have. They, they work together. A faulty belief that leads me to look for another plan. Here's the first one. I believe that I really can get what I want. That I really can meet those needs somehow. If I do the right thing, have enough money, have the right people in my life, I will get what I want. It's a faulty belief. But it's closely tied to this next one. This next one says this. I, first, I can get what I want. And secondly, God will get in the way of what I want. I, I believe that what God has planned for me is less than what I want and what I have planned for myself so if I submit my life to God, he's not going to let me have the things I want and the life that I want. So God really is going to get in my way. He's going to get in my way. So I can get what I want. I don't need God to be a part of it. The entire Bible, the message, if you look at the message from the, the beginning all the way through the end, it really is a message that says this. There is no person, there is no material thing, there's no person or material thing that can satisfy our deepest longings in our life because God has already hardwired you spiritually and hardwired you emotionally and hardwired you even physically for God himself first. We are actually hardwired to our very DNA and our genetics to seek God. And we will never find what we want in this life apart from him. That's how he's wired us. If we put anything else at the center of our lives, no matter how good it is, no matter how good of a cause it is, no matter how good the thing is or no matter how legal the thing is at the center of our lives, that thing that we place at the center of our lives will become our God and it will leave us empty and it will leave us hurt. This next statement, don't miss this. If, if you have fallen asleep, then just wake up for just this moment. Listen to this statement. It's on the screen. To get the life 
to get the life that we desire, we have to be willing to lose the life that we think we want. To get the life that we desire, we have to be willing to lose the life that we think we want. And it is that fear of losing that keeps most people from ever finding the life they want. And it keeps them, that fear, it keeps them in the cycle of plan A, my way, or plan B, their way, or plan C, there's no way, so plan D, I might as well just dull the pain. But today we're saying there's another plan. Another plan. It's plan E. You see, our plan E is God's way. The funny thing about that is our plan E is actually God's plan A. Now, Jesus describes this, what we can call plan E. Some guy walks up to Jesus and he asks him a question. He's like, Jesus, what is the most important thing in life? He asks it in his context, in his way. But what he's asking is, Jesus, what is the most important thing in life? If it could all be boiled down to one thing, Jesus, what is that? But this is how he worded it in his words, in his culture. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. Teacher. What is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? What he's asking is, what's the most important thing in life? And Jesus replies, I've got an answer for you. Here's the answer, verse 37. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. All of it. Love God. That is first, that's the biggest, that's it. Love God. And then he says this. This is the first and greatest commandment. And he goes on. There's a second, though. Wait, wait, wait. There's a second. And it's equally important. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he makes this giant statement. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. This is huge. God in this paragraph describes our plan E. And he describes it as a love relationship. He's saying you need to love God first and foremost, primary, first place. And in turn, when you do that, then you will be also compelled to love the people around you. And then Jesus explains this, that everything else written in the scriptures, everything else is a commentary, an explanation of how to do this, how to love God and love the people around you. Jesus is saying when we get focused on this one thing, a relationship with God, when we place a relationship with God at the center of our lives. He says this, then everything else around us will fall in its proper place. When we put the first thing first, then everything else around us moves into its proper place. And a loving relationship with God is what needs to be first. And if that's the case then my heart is led to ask this question. Okay, God, if that's what you want, if that's what it is, then what is that? 
I mean, how do we actually love you, God? And here's the answer. By staying connected to him and willing to do what he wants. That's how. So, friends, I've been in an experiment for 60 days. And I want you to be invited this morning to join me on that journey. I was encouraged to do this experiment, and now I want to encourage you to do this experiment, and it's called the 60-60 experiment. Here's how it works. For the next 60 days, I'm encouraging you to stay in continuous conversation with God and remain willing to do what He wants you to do moment by moment. And you know how you can summarize that? You can summarize that by saying this, God, this next 60 minutes, it's yours. What do you want me to do with it? A loving relationship with God. Now, this does not come naturally to us. Uh, this, this is, though, what it truly means to follow Christ. But most Christians, especially in North America, most Christians in North America will never, ever, ever, ever do this. So, because of that, we, we need some help. We need something that will interrupt our day as we're living our lives. Interrupt our habit of not giving God a second thought as we do most of our day. I mean, we might recognize him in the morning, but then we go and we just live our day. And maybe we think about it again at night. We need something to interrupt that habit that we have gotten into. And that's why as part of this 60-60 experiment, we're asking you to do this. Will you set an alarm on your phone? To just vibrate every hour during your awake time. Or you can go to Walmart and buy a cheap $10 watch that'll beep at the top of the hour every hour. Beep, beep. Or set your alarm on. I had to, on my phone, I had to set an alarm. I didn't know how to do it any other way. So I went and I set an alarm starting at 6 o'clock in the morning. That's my awake times. So I get up somewhere between 4.30 and 5. And then my first 60-60 alarm happens at 6 o'clock, then 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. I set all of those alarms to go off, to vibrate on my phone once an hour, each of those hours. And when it does, or if you have a watch that beeps, what happens is that interrupts your day. And you have to pause in that moment. And it's in that moment that we want to remind you, we want you to remember to stay connected with God. We're going to ask you to take, we, inside your worship guide, we placed a sticky note this morning. And it says 60-60. We're going to ask you to take that sticky note and place it somewhere uh, where you will see it many times a day. In fact, we want you to add to that. We'll give you one every, every week during this series, but we want you to add to that, but just go grab a stack of sticky notes and, and write 60-60 on it and place them in, in places where you will see them throughout the day. Your refrigerator, I, see, I would see that a lot. Um, your refrigerator, in your car, in your bathroom, at work on your computer, place them many places so that with your alarm on your phone or your watch, 
And then as you see this visually, every time you see that, every time your watch or your phone stops you, in that moment you say, God, this is your hour. What do you want me to do with it? In that moment, you can recognize that relationship that you have with God, and you're wanting to place that at the center of your life. Every hour, we're asking you to turn your thoughts back to God, because He wants you to trust Him, and He desires a loving relationship with you. And He wants you to be responsive to Him. At every opportunity, as you remember it, ask, God, what do you want me to do right here, right now? God, what do you want me to say right now, minute by minute, moment by moment? And if you're anything like me, you will fail more times, more times than you succeed. But that's why we need the reminders. That's why we need the phone alarm, the watch alarm, the sticky notes. Minute by minute, moment by moment. So here is exactly what we're asking you to do this week. Will you, number one, set an alarm? Just set an alarm every hour of your awake day so you'll be reminded to stop, to pause. Here's the second thing. When you stop, as you pause, will you reflect? This week, we're asking you to do this. Will you just talk to God inside your mind, inside your heart, and reflect on this, the character of God? This God who has created you and loves you. This God who is the only thing, the only one who can truly meet your deepest needs. Focus on his character. Here's two uh, three passages there. Three passages. Write those down, or when you get home, go back and look at the Facebook Live and write those down. Focus on God, His character. Those three passages will help you if you're not sure of what God's character is like. And here's the third thing we're asking you to do. Will you write it down? Will you journal? Will you write about your experience? You can download apps for your phone where you can journal things. You can start a new Google Doc. You can write it on actual paper with an actual pen. You can send yourself a text message even. Just, write, just journal it. But there's one other step we want you to do. Some of the things you journal will be private just between you and God. But some of the things as you experience, as you go through this 60-60 experiment, you need to share with other people. And to share this with other people, here's what we want you to do. On Facebook or on Twitter or on uh, Instagram, if you will hashtag your comment, whatever it is that you're telling us about your 60-60 experiment with God, Whatever you want to share and write down, if you will give it a hashtag, no spaces, hashtag SHC6060, then you will be sharing that with all of us. We can search Facebook for SHC6060. We can do the same thing in Twitter and Instagram. And you will be sharing with us what God is telling you. And there may be days that you're just struggling and you just feel behind and you feel like you're being beat up by the world and you need to be encouraged by someone else and you can look and see what their experience has been and you can be encouraged. 
and you are going to have an experience or experiences that will encourage other people. And you need to write that down so they can be encouraged. Will you join us in this? Will you be a part of this? We're asking you to do those three things. And if you will join us on this journey, if you will give this a try, the 60-60, I want you to write on your connection card, anywhere on the front or the back, just write 60-60. That will let me know that you're on this journey with us through this series. And I hope that most of you will do it. Even if you fail, it's okay. Will you begin this journey? We will encourage you over the next 60 days to continue it. Will you let us know? Write down 6060 on your connection card. If you're on Facebook Live, go fill out a connection card. Follow the link Donnie put there and let us know you'll be a part. Can you imagine for the next 60 days for you, if you would give up plan A that says my way is the way, Can you imagine over the next 60 days, if you would say, I'm not going to be on plan B. I'm not going to follow them and what they're doing to try to get what they have. Or if you have been stalled in plan C where you see no way out that you're just going to have to live with the pain. Can you imagine if over the next 60 days, God began to meet your needs and take some of that pain away? And what if? What if you have been tied and chained to a habit, some kind of habit to dull your day? And maybe God can start to bring you life as you put him in the center of your life, a loving relationship with him. God wants to rescue you starting right now, starting today for the next 60 days. And we're asking you to take this journey, this plan E journey with us. And in this process, you can rescue your day as you put God in the center of your life. And you can rewrite your life. No matter what has been written to this point, you can now rewrite your life. And guess what? Our plan E is God's plan A. And it turns out, it's been there all along. Let's pray. God, forgive me for pursuing my way and ignoring you. God, forgive me for looking at others around me and trying to get what I think they have. God, forgive me for giving up on you and trying to numb the pain of this life. And God, I I want what I have achieved to come from you because I don't want what I have achieved. God, I need you to meet my needs. I need you to satisfy my life. I want to pursue a loving relationship with you, God, moment by moment, starting right now. And I know that I'm going to fail, and I may fail often, but God, help me to set reminders in my life this week Help me to set those alarms and to see those sticky notes and to remember to focus on you and to keep a loving relationship with you at the very center of my life. Father, I need you to rescue my days and to rewrite my life. Your plan has been there the whole time. God, help me to stop and to stay on your plan to love you with my whole mind, my whole heart. God, my whole life, 
Jesus, I ask these things in your saving name. Amen.